Hey guys, welcome to episode number 10, um, Fear versus Love. I just want to straight up yet again apologize for being such a fucking flake because it's been probably two weeks since my last podcast and I vowed to never do that again, yet here we are, did it again. I have had the most eventful two weeks. It's been actually wild, like eventful, eventful good and eventful hectic so good is I've finally moved into my own apartment so I'm living alone again which I absolutely adore the last kind of 18 months since I got back from when I moved back to Australia about 18 months ago I moved in with two girls and have been living in the share house for the last 18 months in Surrey Hills which was fucking vibe but always just wanting I just honestly love my own space and I love living alone so that's kind of what I was looking forward to I was going to actually move to New York, random but exciting, this year. But now that the whole COVID thing happened, I kind of, plans changed, not really going to get upset about it. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. But obviously with all the travel restrictions and shit, I was like, well, okay, if New York isn't happening, instead of deferring my master's, why don't I just obviously really focus on finishing the master's And I can probably get a lease on my own place now because it's going to be at the very least a year before I think international like legitimate proper travel will be happening anyway. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to bite the bullet and do it. Not overthink it too much. And here I am in my own apartment in Woolloomooloo and I'm fucking loving it sick. Like I've literally just been here two days and I am so obsessed with it. And like every three seconds, I'm like, fuck, I'm excited about my place. God, I'm so grateful. Like, I just love it. Yeah. Then second to that, (laughs) I finished uni for the semester. I had an oral presentation, which was actually a bit cooked because at the same time of doing that, I had this massive drama with my fucking tooth, which if you follow me on Instagram, you probably would have heard half of it anyway. But basically, I had this fucked tooth problem and it was like a tooth that's been giving me issues for about three years like it's quite sensitive I've had three different dentists look at it long story short they all were like it's got to be a crack like a tiny crack that you can't see just because there's no abscess there's no cavities whatsoever the tooth looks fine the filling might need replacing but like it's fine so then finally I was like I'll just get a crown that's what everyone has been telling me to do went to get the crown and the dentist did warn me he's like this could pretty much fuck the nerve like it could go either way you could like seal the tooth and it's good forever or the crown can be like that final nail in the coffin and your nerve just decides to die and lucky me I had the nerve death option occur so I got the crown $1,600 later and two days later and this pain is unbearable in my tooth and I'm like fuck I just got a crown and now the pain is like another level like I'm talking shots of electricity shooting through my head um it was just fucked so did not sleep not even a second I was on a cocktail of painkillers had like literally a completely sleepless night and then off the back of that had to do a fucking oral presentation on zoom talking about like the pharmacology of antidepressants to like a cohort of students so you can imagine my delight fucking doing that while I'm like twitching in pain and then immediately after that I called the dentist and I'm like I'm coming in now you have to see me like there's no alternative I'm fucking dying right now went in and demanded that he just rip the tooth out because he's like you need a root canal and I was like I'm never fucking getting a root canal ever again like I've got very strong views on root canals and each to their own and I had so many people that work in a dentist message me being like root canals are really not that bad And that's fine, but at the end of the day, it's my fucking head, it's my fucking tooth, and I would rather, I don't care what anyone says, to be honest, but for me, I'd rather ceramic in my mouth than dead human tissue any day of the fucking week. So I was like, rip out this fucking tooth, and in three months, I'm then going to go in and get an implant. And I'm just honestly so much happier with that. I had a root canal done in the past, and it caused such a huge abscess that it actually was eroding like quite badly into my jaw bone so like it had eaten into the jaw bone that's how big the abscess was under the root canal which makes sense because you've cut off blood and nerve supply to the tooth 
So you've got this human tissue there that no longer gets a supply of blood. So, of course, the chances of it rotting are very fucking high. And that's what happened. So after that happened to me and I got that extracted and it was like the last tooth so I didn't really bother getting an implant, I was like, I'm never getting a root canal ever again, ever. So he reluctantly pulled it out. He's like, I'm just going to have to pull it out. Anyway, pulls the fucking tooth out and then, get this, I got something called dry socket. Like, can I get any luckier, honestly? So this dry socket basically is where the blood clot doesn't form. It's probably because I exercised too much. Actually, it's most definitely because I was exercising too much and I should have taken a few days off. And long, 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 long story short, I don't want to go into detail because my queasy friends have already murdered me for telling them the story. But pretty much my bone was exposed. uh, And again, I was in like severe, severe pain. So then I had to go back into the dentist, get another fucking treatment. And now I'm coming, I'm on like the the uphill end of it. It's a lot better. Um, I haven't taken painkillers in like three days. And yeah, I'm pretty much on the mend now. Finally, after three weeks of drama. So... That is another big reason why I definitely was not putting my mind towards podcasting. I think I literally was like trembling in pain for like 50% of the last two weeks, I reckon. Anyway, enough whinging. Um, I want to get straight into the podcast today because it's something that I know I said that I was going to do the next podcast on depression. That one is coming up. But this one, I just thought I really wanted to do this one because it's just relevant to fucking everyone. And it's pretty much fear versus love and how you can kind of be a little bit more aware of your own emotions and your own feelings and kind of pinpoint whether your actions or your reactions are from a place of fear or from a place of love. And you'll be amazed at how many things we do are masked by whatever we want to call it, but in reality, it's coming from a place of fear. So in this podcast, the way I'm going to lay it out is I'm going to be talking kind of an overview of fear versus love. And then I'm going to be talking about fear behaviors. So behaviors that are definitely stemming from fear, um, but we're not acknowledging it as that. And there's a whole bunch of them that we all either do do or have done in the past. Um then I'm talking about kind of the neuroscience and the neurocircuitry behind fear behaviors and learnt fear. Because obviously I'm obsessed with the brain and this is what my podcast is about. But also I've mentioned this before and I'll continue to mention it is that the brain is plastic and it can be molded and remolded and cells that fire together, wire together. Just repeat that to yourself every single day. Cells that fire together, wire together. So you, when you are taking part in a behavior that's repetitive, whether you like it or not, you are strengthening that pathway in your brain. That's how plastic your brain is. The moment you stop taking part in that behavior, you stop giving attention to that behavior and you start redirecting your actions and redirecting your thought patterns, those old highways of compulsive thinking or compulsive behaviors get weaker and weaker and weaker and you have the ability to strengthen different pathways, different highways. So the more you fire things at the same time, the more they're going to wire. Remember, your brain is plastic. Okay, so I will go into that, but later on. Then I'm just going to give you a few like hacks and tools and tips um, for if you are in a situation where you're feeling this way and you really just fucking don't want to feel that way. All right, so I want to talk about, to get started, fear versus love. These are two polar opposites. Those emotions, when you're in a genuine state of love or appreciation or gratitude, which are all kind of, they stem from love. In that moment, when you're present, feeling that feeling, you can't be feeling fear. The two cannot exist. They can't coexist at the exact same time. So you might be in a state of flux where you go fear, love, fear, love but they can't be happening at the same time. So the more you can redirect your behaviors to come from a place of love, then the happier you're going to be, the more connected you're going to feel and the more empowered you're going to be. So this is from a personal point of view. If you can lead with love, that's going to impact every single relationship you have in your life to every person, 
and every experience and your relationship to everything. And this can be from friends, family, lovers, to your community and to mankind. So this is really a perfect example of what's going on right now with racism. Racism is pretty much the biggest demonstration of fear ever. If someone's racist, they are filled with fear. And you'll understand why as I go through all these things. But you're never – it's just – it's a no-brainer. Once you hear all the reasons of why, then the next time you see someone who's judgmental or racist, you've got to understand that they're coming from a major place of fear and insecurity because it just can't happen any other way. You're never going to meet a person who's really comfortable in their own skin, who has no attachment to sort of forces that they cannot control, who has no attachment to their major belief systems where they expect people to think the way they think. They're just free from those things. How could they possibly be racist? They're not because they are more vulnerable. They're leading with love and compassion and they are connected. Okay, so the more fear you have, the less comfortable you are in your own skin. That's another thing. So this is also very big on insecurities. If someone's insecure, they're more likely to be fearful. If someone's really comfortable in their own skin, they're less likely to judge other people. They're less likely to... um, have their wall up, be guarded, all those things. So this can this fear can be an array of things. You've got fear of judgment, fear of comparison, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, falling short, fear of failure, um, fear of missing out. Um, and the main one is fear of the unknown. That's a huge one that we often don't acknowledge because it can kind of fall into any category. But Fear of the unknown is what holds most people back and it's what stops us from taking a leap of faith because even if you're not happy in the situation that you're in, at least you know the situation that you're in. You've, you're like good, good acquaintances with the shit that you hate, but at least you know it. So you've got stay in the position that you're in or take that leap of faith, but fear of the unknown is what stops us every time from taking the plunge. All right, let's talk fear behaviors. Number one, and this one's quite mild. It's not really that big and we all display it on some scale, but it's indecisiveness. Now, there's certain indecisiveness that's not really fear-based, like I can't decide if I want pizza or pasta from this menu. That's not really fear-based. But then there's bigger forms of indecisiveness, like I'm living in this home and I've been wanting to move out for a long time And then this apartment's come up and it's really good. But I don't know if it's the right time to move now. I'm not quite sure. I don't really – because, like, do I really want to leave my place now? Like, it's actually pretty good. There's actually a few factors that I like about it. And now I could be moving to this place and I'm spending more money and it could just turn out to be a huge mistake. And then what if I make that choice and then I regret it? So this is one of the examples. Or, like, a career change where you're like, oh, you know, I've I've hated my career – for years and now I have the opportunity to take the plunge but I'm like wait a minute wait a minute but this career gives me money and it gives me security so here I I can't take the plunge now like what do I do do I take this new opportunity potentially less money maybe happier maybe not like what do I do indecisiveness when you're so indecisive and you are sitting on the edge this is the good way to know what you actually want when you are sitting on the edge of two choices and you literally keep going back and forth back and forth back and forth flip a coin and commit. If you don't want to flip a coin, it's because you know the answer. You know what you want. So regardless, whether you flip the coin or whether you don't, you've got your answer. If you're holding a fucking coin and you're like, I just don't want it to fall on heads, then you've got your answer. You don't need to flip the coin, you know. But if you genuinely don't know, you fucking flip the point, coin and you commit. Because the more you live in a state of indecisiveness, in a state of fear of the unknown and questioning and questioning and questioning. And I spoke about this in one of my earlier podcasts. I think it was in Taking a Leap of Faith. You are then going to reinforce that behavior. Like I said at the start of this podcast, you are reinforcing this side of you that's riddled with indecisiveness that, oh no, I'm really bad at making decisions, this and that. You need to fucking make a decision and commit to it because you can always find shit that you hate about something. There's always good and there's always bad. You can do this with anything and anyone. Pick a friend that you have. Now start thinking of 20 things that you hate about that friend. Before you know it, you're infuriated and you haven't even spoken to them. 
but pick that same friend and think about 20 things that you love about them and then you're like, fuck, I really want to hang out with this person. God, I miss them. This can happen with anything. It's what you focus on. It's those sort of thought pathways. So indecisiveness, you need to kind of snap the fuck out of it and get your shit together because you are the more you display behaviours of indecisiveness, the more it's going to continue and the more it's going to hold you back because that is you stalling big time, big time. So try and nip that in the bud by doing the flip a coin option. All right, number two is being judgmental. So feeling the need to offer your criticism to someone. Now, the only time that you're going to really want to criticize someone is if you perceive them as a threat. And I have people say to me, they're like, well, no, Alexis, I would never want to look like that person. That's why I'm criticizing the outfit. Or I'd never want to look like this. Or I'd never want to do that. That's why I'm criticizing it. And my answer to that is you're, you feel intimidated by the fact that that person is living in their truth. It doesn't mean that you're jealous of them and that's why you're criticizing them that you're jealous of what they're wearing or whatever you might genuinely hate what they're doing so you criticize it but the reason you're wasting your time criticizing is because you're trying to pull them down because you're seeing someone live their truth live their best life whether you like what they're doing or not but you're like whoa I'm not doing that and now that's just highlighted the fact that I'm not doing it and that person is doing it so I need to bring this person back down to my level I need to get them down So I can feel more comfortable again. I can feel comfortable in my own skin. So this fear of judgment, and that's the same with racism. With racism, it's because we don't understand. When people don't understand another culture, they don't understand why people do what they do and they see the difference and it annoys them. It annoys them because it's not the same as what they do or or cultural um, traditions annoy them or whatever. That's fear. That's Because I can't understand you, I'm not going to accept you. Well, I hate to break it to you, but that's a really terrible mentality to have because if you have that mentality towards people because I don't understand you, I can't accept it, then unless you're an engineer or unless you understand electricity, you need to fucking go and live in the bush because how do you use electricity when you don't understand it? How do you drive a car when you don't understand the complete mechanisms of how that car has been put together? There are many things that you do in life that you don't understand yet you reap the fucking benefits from it. So when it comes to people, you don't have to understand them to accept them. You can just be vulnerable and say, you know what, I'm going to sit here and just be and just be okay with the fact that I don't get it but it's not a threat. You know, like something that also not like this, this people find it, if it's, it's scary when it's too big a difference. And this analogy that's been going around at the moment with Black Lives Matter, where they have like two different eggs, one's like a dark yellow egg and the other one's white, but they crack and it's the same inside. I don't even like that. Because why do we have to be the same inside to then accept it? Why only when you crack the egg? Oh, see, we're actually the same. So you've got to accept other cultures. No, fuck that shit. One egg could be filled with glitter and the other egg could be with an egg yolk. And you should still be okay with that bullshit. You shouldn't have to crack the surface to know that we're the same underneath for you to accept it. Fucking accept it. If they're not actually hurting you, if they're not actually a real threat to you or your family or your livelihood, get over it and learn to just sit with your discomfort until it stops being uncomfortable. And that is where racism stems from. So judgment, judging people, all of that, criticizing people, that is fear. You are uncomfortable because you either don't understand or because they are different and you don't like that they are different. Because when someone can just be themselves and rock it, for someone that's insecure, that's very threatening, very threatening because you're thinking that person now has the tools to really step up and to really be unique and be recognized for being so unique. So that's a threat. So I'm going to cut you down. And another one of those is not being able to celebrate someone else's wins because it feels as though you have lost. So that's number three. You can't celebrate someone else's wins. If you feel that you're one of those people and you don't have to admit it out loud, but you can admit it to yourself, deep down, do I find it hard to celebrate other people's wins? And if you do, 
then that's okay. Just acknowledge that. You don't have to do anything right now, but acknowledge that as that comes from a place of fear. Because when someone wins, I feel that I have missed out, that I have lost something, that I now am below them and they are now above me. So it's a threat to me. I, it has highlighted to me that I'm now not at that level and they're now above me. That is coming from fear instead of a place of vulnerability. Um, number four, the need for people to agree with you. So this is similar to the whole judgmental and racism thing and whatever, but this is with politics, with religion, with all these things. This idea that you need people to agree with you, which I think is ridiculous, obviously, because how the fuck is that possible when you look at the world and the way it is today and all the different cultures and all the different governments and all the different religions? I personally accept everything anything as long as you don't rub it in my face I'll accept any religion as long as you're not hurting anyone or hurting anything as long as you don't try and convert me you've got to be cool with the fact that I'm an atheist and I'm fucking cool with the fact that you are deep in your religion whatever that religion may be so yeah trying to convert someone into a belief system is fear Because you're not cool with them just being the way they are. You see that as a threat. You see difference as a threat and you need to kind of be all uniformed and controlled. Look at those like hectic communist countries where everyone has to be a certain way in control. That's a way of controlling people. And when you do that, it's your way of controlling your inner circle. If you try and convince people to think the way that you think and you get upset when they don't and you get upset when they don't agree with you and you can't sit comfortably with your friends and just agree to disagree. I'm not talking about a healthy debate. I fucking love a debate. But I also like a debate so I can hear someone else's point of view even if it means that I'll never agree with them. I like seeing where they're coming from and it's cool. I'm like, fuck, I never looked at it that angle and I might change my mind and I might not but it's still cool to see an angle that I've never looked at. And I'm like, good one. Love that. Still disagree, but that's really cool. But a lot of people that if you're coming from a place of fear, you can't accept that because it feels that if they have a different opinion, you think that they now think that you're wrong. But it doesn't have to be that way. They could just think, well, I totally disagree, but this thought is obviously working for her. And you know what? Even if they do think that you're wrong, that doesn't fucking matter. It shouldn't matter. If people think that I'm wrong, but I'm happy and I'm just living my best life, coming from a place of love and vulnerability, it doesn't affect me. I lose no sleep over the fact that someone might think that I'm an idiot or that someone might think that I'm so wrong. If I've done my work and I've done my research and I'm comfortable with my views and opinions, especially because I don't actively go and rub it in anyone's faces, I express my views and opinions on my podcast and my Instagram so people have to actively come on here to listen to what I have to say so I don't consider this rubbing it in people's faces but if I'm comfortable where I sit I will lose no sleep if you think I'm a fucking idiot well congratulations you think I'm an idiot great I'm happy you're happy we're all happy that's great but if you lose sleep over people's judgment of you that's because you're choosing on some level to agree with them and again that's coming from fear How many times do you say to yourself, oh, I wish I could do this, I wish I could do this, but you don't take action, you don't take action, you don't take action. Then someone else goes and actions what you wanted to action. And be honest with yourself, how many times have you actually, at least in your mind, picked apart what they've done and thought, oh, she fucking, that's so lame, or why is she doing that, or he looks like an idiot doing that because... You know, like I would have done it like this. I would have done it differently. I would have, I would have, I would have, I would have. I didn't. I didn't, did I? And now they've gone and done it. So just shut the fuck up. Be cool with the fact that someone's just gone and done something that you wanted to do, but you didn't do it. You didn't get off your ass and do it. And now someone else is doing it. It doesn't mean that you can't go and do it and do it in your own way. But it has highlighted to you that you didn't step up when you could have. And that person is like a beacon just like waving in your face not only being like I've done it and I'm doing well but you didn't do it so for you it feels like this massive threat but it just symbolizes what you didn't do it's got it's nothing personal but you make it personal you don't actually probably if you really break it down 
you probably don't really care what they're doing or what they've done. It's only because you know them and they've gone and stepped up when you haven't. Because I can guarantee you, if a total random that you've never met was doing it, you probably wouldn't judge them and pick it apart. It's only because someone that you know in some way, shape or form has gone and done what you wanted to go do and now you see it as competition when really you're just annoyed at yourself. That's really what it comes down to. You're fearful because you thought, I didn't take the leap of faith. I didn't take that plunge. Someone else has taken the plunge. Now there's less chances for me to take the plunge, which is not true. You're just, again, making excuses for yourself. And then you'll cut that person down so you can feel a little bit better about yourself and then you just go on your day being fearful and being insecure, not making any real changes. So get fucking accountable in your bullshit. If you are displaying these thoughts and these behaviours, don't hate on yourself, but pull yourself up on your bullshit. Have a list. Write it down. Just become aware. The first few steps is just being aware. I'm not going to make you action all this hectic shit immediately, but shedding light takes away the darkness. So sometimes the littlest action of just acknowledging privately, you don't even have to admit it. If you're like, oh, this is really painful to do this hard work on myself, make it private. It's fine. But shed light on it and that's the only way it's going to change and that's the only way you're going to start to be able to replace fear behaviours and fear thought patterns with vulnerability, with love and with action. All right, next point. Next point is attachment. When you are attached so heavily to something for no real reason, analyze it and then you know if you've got a real reason or not. But this unconditional attachment to things is fear. It's kind of fear of the unknown. So I really attach myself to what I do know and that's it. I don't want to be judged. I refuse to have an argument with someone. I refuse to this. I refuse to that. I'm just going to attach, attach, attach. That's fear. Let's take possessions for example. Not being able to move out of your home, say you've lived there for 10, 15, 20 years, because there's all these memories attached to it and the nostalgia and you just can't, you can't leave, you can't leave. Do you realize that you are literally creating something out of nothing? You are creating a weight, a fucking dead weight, and you are choosing to carry that dead weight, and that's fear. Fear that you're not going to be your full self without that possession, without that home. You attach your identity so heavily to external factors when in reality it's impossible to do that because you're a free entity. You are what you choose to believe and your mind and really nothing else. Everything else is temporary. When you attach your identity to something external, that's an insecurity. That's you not being vulnerable. That's you thinking, I need to identify so heavily with this population or this home or these possessions or the fact that I am sick with a certain condition or that I am a mother and I attach myself so heavily to the fact that I'm a mother or that I'm, you know. And it's it's fine to love that about you or to campaign hard for something But your identity is not that because then you're choosing to pin yourself to something that, again, has impermanence. So if you – let's take being a mother, for example. If you – there are certain mums – and I don't fucking care if I get criticised for this because it's a fact – who just are so – Their identity is so heavily embedded in the fact that they are mothers, that they're like, I've got to be the best fucking mother I can be and everything's about my child, my child, my child. Their identity is I'm a mother, I'm a mother. So then when they see other mums who then have all these jobs and all these things that they do and that their time is split between their children and their career and whatever, they then criticise those mothers. Women who don't breastfeed, criticise the women who don't breastfeed. All these things, you know, because they're so attached to being my mum that they're like, wait a minute, how does this woman get to be a mum but do other things as well? It shouldn't matter. Again, we're all different. Just live, living your best life. And if you are a full-time mother, great. If you're a mum who has a job on the side and who's doing all this stuff, great. You know, you don't need to compare. But when when you attach your identity to something external, you feel the need to compare because you think, 
my identity is coming from this and now I'm threatened because someone's doing that and more. How can that be? So that, does that mean that I'm less of a person now? You know, and then what happens when your children move out of home? You feel what? Useless. How many times have you heard of people talk about like, oh, I'm invisible now, I'm a middle-aged woman, I'm invisible now. It doesn't have to be that way. But stop attaching your identity to things that are going to expire. Your identity should only ever be you. End of story. And the other things are kind of add-ons that come and go. It's a flux. And you, the, the, the less attachment you have to things and situations, the happier you're going to be. The less fear you're going to have because you're aware that everything's in a state of flux. Nothing's permanent and you are going to be you no matter what the fuck is going on in the periphery. No matter if, you know, your children move out of home or no matter if, you know, beauty is a huge one. Attaching your identity to being beautiful, that's a huge one. Look at sports people, they attach their identity to their career. And if they haven't done the work on themselves and they've only ever milked the fact that they're a famous sports person, when their career ends at a very young age, mind you, for athletes, so many of them struggle, struggle to continue on, not knowing where they're going to go, what they're going to do. You know, the ones that obviously create businesses on the outside and get creative and do all of that, obviously that's different. But there are many people who are depressed when they retire in their th early 30s because they're like, oh my God, who am I? Who am I now if I'm not this athlete? Who am I now if I'm not representing my country? So your attachment is your fear. It doesn't mean that you can't love something wholeheartedly, but again, you don't have to be attached to it. Like I adore my family. Like I, I'm so fucking tight with my family and they are just like the biggest gems ever, every single one of them. I could go on and on and on and on and on. I could do a whole podcast just about how obsessed I am with my family. But I'm not attached as far as like they have to behave a certain way, they have to be this, they have to be that. If I attach myself so heavily to all these belief systems that I hold, then I expect things that cannot be expected of other people. I'm not attaching myself to that. I just love them freely. So then... It doesn't mean that I love them less to someone who's super attached. It, it's not a sliding scale. Love is love. But if I'm not attached to the outcome of anything, regardless of what happens, if we have an argument or if anything happens, or I'm not attaching it to that. I'm not attaching myself to that. So I'm always going to love them, but they're free. They don't owe me fuck all. They don't owe me anything. If you attach yourself so heavily to people and groups and things, you think that they owe you something because you think that you are innately a part of each other and they owe you things. You think this of your partner, you think this of your family, you think this of your friends. No one owes you anything. And if you've done them a favor, they still don't owe you anything because that is the definition of a favor. It's a fucking favor. It's not a business transaction where you say, I'm doing this, but, but you have to pay me back. That's not a favor. So no one owes you anything. If you can get to that mentality of no one owes me anything, you are free. You are free because you don't expect shit from anyone. You get off your ass and you do it yourself. And if someone doesn't follow through with some, something that you thought that they would follow through with, you're not attached to the outcome. So it's okay. You're like, yeah, fuck, well, yeah, I'm okay. It would have been nice, but whatever. Like, it's fine. They didn't do it and I'm not them. They are not me. So I'm not attaching myself to it. That's what I mean about attachment towards people, expecting things from them because you think that people owe you something because you think that your identity is that. Now, another thing, and I'm going to do a full podcast on this one, but I'm going to touch on it lightly here. But this needs, like this next topic deserves a fucking full hour. And the topic is guilt. Do you, and think hard, do you ever use guilt as your currency? emotional blackmail, that kind of thing. Because that is a very fucking low vibrating fucking energy to be sitting at. And you need to eliminate this as quickly as possible. These messages that you might send to your girlfriend or your boyfriend with this underlying like kind of emotional blackmail, that's fear. Making someone feel guilty because they didn't follow through to do something for you, that's fear. 
if someone was supposed to, and in quotation marks, supposed to do something for you and they didn't follow through, you sh- if, if you're going by everything I've said here and you're not attached to the person or the outcome, it wouldn't hurt so much because you understand that everything's in a state of flux. You can't control other people. You're okay with everything being different and you're not attached to the outcome or the person. So if someone doesn't follow through with something that they said they would, you know that you'll be okay. You know that you're going to survive, not the end of the world. And I'm not saying let people walk all over you. You might see someone's behavior play out a few times and think, yeah, that person's not, not, not valuable in my life. Or I need to step a little bit away from this person. If there's some that you can't cut out of your life altogether, then you can choose how much interaction you can have with that person. That's your choice. So guilt, if someone is guilt tripping you, or more importantly, because I'm trying to make you guys accountable so you can live a much happier, much better life. If you are using guilt in any way, shape or form, you need to acknowledge. And number one out of anything I've said, this one, you have to fucking kill kill it nip it in the bud guilt kills relationships or it strains relationships and then when people interact with you they have to tiptoe around telling you something or they have to tiptoe around whatever because they think that they're going to then be made to feel guilty how fucked is that that's not authentic that's not an authentic connection you want someone to be able to be just their true selves without feeling that they're now going to make they're going to be made to feel guilty for saying something or for doing something you don't own anyone so you don't have the right to ever make anyone feel guilty, whether it's your boyfriend or girlfriend or your friends or your family. If you are ever about to act on a behavior where it's throwing guilt on someone else, you have to stop and think, what is it that's sitting with me that feels really gross right now? There's there's a feeling that's very unsettling in me right now that's making me lash out in this way. And... I now need to name what's going on. I need to call it out for what it is. Because me throwing guilt onto another person or emotional blackmail, that's me not acknowledging what's genuinely actually bugging me. And I'm not, you know, doing the work and looking at my own shit and being accountable for my own shit. I'm passing it on to someone else. You deal with the problem now. You deal with it. I feel shit now. Now you can feel bad that I feel shit. You can now carry the fucked feeling that I feel. That's what, it, that's what happens when someone tries to make you feel guilty. They're trying to pass on their shitty feelings because they're like, it's not fair that you're happy and I'm feeling this ugly feeling. So now you can take some of the ugly feeling. That is selfish and you need to stop doing that. And if someone's doing that to you, you need to pull them up on their bullshit. And I don't care if it offends them, you're doing them a favor. Pull them up. Anyway, this guilt thing is going to, that's a whole podcast to come. And if you are someone that guilt trips people or is always feeling guilty, you're going to love this podcast. So I'm going to have to do it soon because, yeah, it's important. All right. Let's now talk about the neuroscience and the neurocircuitry behind fear behaviors. So there's a lot of components involved in the brain that have to do with fear and learnt fear because obviously you've got acute fear which is you know a car's coming towards you and you're like fuck I've got to get out of the way that's acute fear that's necessary we need that shit but then we've got manifested and learnt fear which we have created and by created it can come from the way you've been wired. So it could be instinct or influence. Like how have you been raised? Were you raised in an environment where you were told that you have to think a certain way and told that you have to believe a certain way or were you encouraged to question everything as you grew up? Were you encouraged to be the one to kind of poke holes in different arguments so that way you could have your own idea of the world growing up and you weren't fed an idea? Um the more you question things, the less fearful you are because you become more of an observer instead of feeling that you are attached to all the bullshit. Um, Were you brought up in a place where no one made you feel guilty um, and you could just learn how to be accountable for your own shit? Were you brought up in a way where emotional blackmail was rampant? So everyone is brought up in a different way and some people a kind of in a worse off position than others based on how they have been raised. But you can still change it. It can always be changed. It just is a little bit harder for the people that have been raised with that as their 
influence. And when something is influenced hard enough, it becomes instinctive. It's kind of like it becomes a subconscious pattern. When you practice something consciously long enough, it becomes a subconscious pattern. So when it comes to fear, I'm sure a lot of you, maybe not all, but a lot of you would have heard about a part of the brain called the amygdala, which is really heavily involved in fear processing. But that's only one of the very, very many components of the brain that are involved in fear processing. It's literally like a whole circuitry through the brain. So you've got the amygdala, you've got the nucleus accumbens, the hippocampus, the periductal gray. It's in the brainstem, the thalamic nuclei, insular cord. It goes on and on and on and on and on. But all these areas in the brain have been identified as playing a role, a key role in fear circuitry and fear processing. So it goes from the oldest part of your brain so you've got like your instinctive part of the brain that's quite primitive to the forebrain right at the front which is the most modern part of the brain and that's kind of like your forward thinking and all of that so we're talking about a a circuit that involves all these areas of the brain and a thought and a belief if it's linked to fear you can see how then that can infiltrate everything that you do fear is a very visceral experience as well you think it And you feel it and it kind of runs through your whole body. Fear and anxiety are heavily linked. If you are someone that suffers from anxiety, you suffer from fear. It's the inability to accept what is. That is anxiety. You're in a situation where you're not where you want to be. Something doesn't feel like like it's right. So you're feeling this state of uneasiness and fear processing networks are the same that fire in anxiety. So... We're looking at different kind of neurotransmitters that might be involved in fear processing and one of them is called oxytocin. So oxytocin is a neuropeptide and it regulates social interaction and it's, you know, it's involved in like so basically social health and like sexual reproduction and all of that. It's what makes you able to connect with people and be vulnerable and be social and the more oxytocin that you have – the, the easier it is for you to have these pro-social behaviours, to speak to someone that you're interested in sexually, to ask them out on a date, to basically – it's that ability to push past your embarrassment or your fear and be like, nah, fuck it, I'm going to reach out. So oxytocin is actually quite important in overcoming these fear behaviours. A lot of jobs that involve um, – like rescuing people and you know, like being a firefighter or things like that, if, if someone trips over and you rush out to go and help them, you innately have more, high, you've got higher levels of oxytocin in you because you don't hesitate. If, if someone trips over and you freeze, it doesn't mean that you don't care. It just means that you, you hesitated and you hesitated long enough, boom, you put the brakes on and now you just can't do it. It's game over. You're not going to do it. Someone else is going to jump in. So it's that ability to when it's like a split decision, you make that decision to reach out. You make that decision for the connection, for vulnerability, to put yourself out on a limb. And that's that neuropeptide oxytocin that is heavily involved in those behaviours. So if you are strongly grounded in a position of fear all the time, you're inhibiting any action of this oxytocin to help you snap out of that behavior and to help you be more vulnerable and to help you, you know, take those leaps of faith. Even if it fails, it's okay. It's not a big deal. You can just brush yourself off and do it again. So one of the ways of changing that is obviously changing your behavior. So the way you change your behavior changes the chemical setup or makeup in your brain the more happy thoughts you think the more serotonin and dopamine that you've got going on and the more norepinephrine and all these like monoamines that you've got floating around in your brain the more you're prepared to go out on a limb and the more you're prepared to question the times that you're fearful the more you enable the production of oxytocin without shutting it down with fear based thoughts and that fear circuitry that's highly activated you need to kind of put a dampener on these fear circuitries that are going on in your brain and kind of try and intercept it with a logical thought instead of because the way I look at it is your instinct is there to serve you right however if you have wired your brain in a way that's not helpful for you then your instinct is now no longer serving you you've wired you've hardwired your instincts 
to be too protective that now you shut yourself off from relationships, from experiences and from communicating properly. And you now have to go and try and rewrite that. So while instinct is there to help you, if you've been brought up in a way or if you yourself have done something to kind of override that, then your instinct can actually be quite detrimental. So when you innately have a response of fear, but you know that it's learnt fear or manifested fear, so it's not a car that's coming towards you, it's actually um, a situation where you're intimidated by somebody and you feel that they're a threat to you, that's learnt fear. That person's not a real threat to you. You just think that they're threatening in a social situation because they're so comfortable within their own skin that you now feel shit about yourself, that whole cycle, 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 cycle. But until you pull yourself up on your bullshit and snap out of that cycle and just be like, I'm going to name it, I'm going to name it and own it and write it down, then that's, that cycle is going to continue. So you have to snap out of it and you've got to use your logical mind to override your instinctive behaviors. Obviously, if your instinctive behaviors are great and you have that high level of oxytocin and you're able to just throw yourself into life, you don't need to do shit. You don't need to be overriding that stuff. But I'm talking about people that have wired themselves in a way that you want to now rewire. So we need to allow the production of oxytocin, the more you partake in these behaviors that allow a higher flow of oxytocin, the better it's going to be. A fact is that there are people who just innately have a high, higher levels of oxytocin. That's just a fact. And there are people that are just born with lower levels of oxytocin because the way your brain is made up, partially it is genetics. But that's not to say that you can't do a lot to change it. You can do a whole lot to change it. So yes, some people are, you know, have got more of a genetic lottery when it comes to the makeup of their brain. But it's your job to feel like the victim because of that or to feel empowered because of that. You can think, fuck, I really lucked out on this one because I've got like all these fear-based pathways and I've got really low oxytocin. But I'm the one who's going to step the fuck up and make a change. Or you can sit there and wallow and not make a change. It's your choice. You do what you want. But you have the choice. And whether it's hard or whether it's easy, it's different for everybody. But to sit there and play the victim, again, that's fear. That's saying, I hate my life. I hate where this is all heading, but I'm going to, again, attach myself to the story that I'm a victim because at least I feel safe here. At least this is my attachment. My identity is now being a victim and now I can't step out of that. How can I step out of that? Because if I don't have this victim mentality to be attached to, who am I? I'm no one. That's what you think. So then those people stay the victim. They play the role of the victim, the fucking victim, 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 victim. Look, if being a victim makes you happy, keep being a victim. But I can guarantee you right now, you're probably not very fucking happy playing the role of the victim. So you always have the choice and you can always make the call. Now, my advice for you for these little kind of hacks that you can do is that every time, and maybe have a thing in your phone for like notes, but every time you have a behavior that you display that you think might be fear-based, write it down and write down when it happened to what it was specifically. Like say you sent someone a message that you're like, hmm, that's a guilt trip. I'm trying to guilt trip this person. Write it down. Just start to acknowledge it. For the first two, three weeks, just write it down. I'm not asking you to do anything about it. Just write it down, write it down, write it down. That in itself is going to open your eyes up massively to how much fear plays a role in how you run your life and how you make your decisions and where your actions are coming from versus love. Because at the end of the day, nothing is more important than connection. And the depth of your connection determines your happiness. And the only way you can be connected to other people and experiences is through vulnerability, through approaching something with compassion, vulnerability, and an openness, which are all kind of synonyms for love. If you approach something with fear, you've just shut out a connection. You've shut out an experience. You've shut out your growth, which is really sad. So true connection is from love and vulnerability. If you can push past that fear, if you can force these things initially where it feels like, oh, this is really hard, but just put yourself out there. Flip that coin when you need to. Make that decision a little bit faster. Pull yourself up on your bullshit when you see yourself judging someone, when you can't celebrate someone else's win. Acknowledge that about your personality. 
You need to push past that through acceptance, through sharing, communicating, being in touch with people, being open, being honest. If you can lead with love and vulnerability, there's going to be no what-ifs in your life. But there's going to be plenty of regret if you lead with fear. So you have the choice. And like I said at the start of the podcast, cells that fire together, wire together. How are you wiring your cells? How are you treating your brain? How much of a chance are you giving your brain and yourself and your future by exhibiting these behaviors again and again and again that are detrimental to you? So write that shit down and before you know it, you'll be able to, the more you write it down, the quicker you can intercept it. And the quicker you can intercept it, like I said, when you shed light into darkness, darkness disappears. You don't have to do that much but just acknowledge. And in that moment, try and make the, be- the better decision. Try and make that change. But all you have to do for the first two or three weeks is just write it down. You don't even have to try and make a better decision. Write it down. You yourself will not want to make that same decision when you acknowledge it. Because you know it's coming from a place of fear. You know that your growth will come from through acceptance and through just sitting with what is and just being present and accepting what is and not trying to change it, not trying to change someone else, not trying to change someone else's opinion and not trying to coerce other people to think negatively of another person and all that stuff. That will all kind of start to fade away. It's really fucking cool. Anyway, guys, that is Fear Versus Love. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Any um, feedback, please let me know. Thanks for waiting out for the two weeks because that was a fucking long time. I'm so sorry. I'm going to be a lot more together with my shit. I'm very organized now, I feel, with my new place. I'm fucking loving life. Um, So please share it like you do. It means the world to me and it really helps me out. So share it on your Instagram. Tag me in it. I love seeing the tags um, and rate, review the podcast And thank you so much. Be kind to your brains and I will speak to you next week because I'm not going to wait two weeks for this shit ever again next week. Thank you, my loves. Love you. Bye.